0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdhury Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Dean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you, Sarah. Good morning. It's lovely to be here. Wasn't that a lovely prayer Sarah's just prayed? Isn't it lovely to be in the house of God where we know each other? I mean, Sarah's just prayed for me and my family by name. How wonderful is that, that we're in Chaldean Church and we know most of us by name. And that's a lovely picture that I just got there of God knows each and every one of us by name. He knows every single thing about us. And this morning, we just want to explore how to worship him only, how to worship him more, more fully. Worship him only, it's the second commandment in Exodus. The definition of worship in the dictionary says, it is the feeling or expression of adoration for God. Express, love, devotion. The Greek word for worship means to fall down. Worshiping God should be part of our everyday life, not just a Sunday morning thing. And I want to be here this morning to try and encourage you to worship God only. Not to stop living your lives, not to stop having a wonderful time. When God is first, when we worship Him only, our life suddenly changes. What we are transformed, but also those around us and those who we love and those who we come in contact with are transformed. As Heather said this morning, that lady, because she was in relationship with people in the cafe, because people in the cafe were praying and ministering to her and, you know, desiring more for that lady's life, she's committed herself to becoming a Christian. And that's just relationship with God, to worshipping only, changes you and changes those around you. And I do believe to worship God only, it begins first with relationship between you and God. We need to get to know God deeper. In families, we all have relationships, some closer than others, husbands and wives and children, and we know them. We know know what our partner, our husband, our friends, our wife likes. I mean, last year, my husband got a present and Hit this present when he opened it. He was absolutely on Christmas morning from a friend of ours. I would I would say he was joyous, overjoyed, and in that present was a jar of olives, was a bottle of red wine, and a scented candle. Now, those of you who know Paul Oliver, my husband, would think, "Wine I get, olives and take them or leave them," but a Yankee scented candle, way. He couldn't wait for Christmas night to shut the curtains, turn the lights down low and get his candle on. But you see, that's because it's relationship. People know him and know us. And I know that not all of you know Paul that well, but he really does like a scented candle. And because we spend time with our friends and family and our friends who know us, knows that that about him. And God knows everything about us. And there's many ways to express worship. In Chronicles it says, the whole assembly bowed down in worship while the singers sang and the trumpets played. And I just think that is for us this morning. We are the assembly of God. We are his people, his children. And to bow down in worship and praise is a wonderful thing. As Sarah said this morning, we can be refreshed and changed through worship and through worshiping God only. I think you can express physically many ways, particularly in the church, of how to worship God. In Psalm 95, it says, we can bow down and kneel before God. Psalm 63 says, I will praise you as long as I live, and your name will be on my lips, and I will lift up my hands. In Acts, on the day of Pentecost, there was a blowing of a mighty wind from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and they were sitting, and they began to worship. Chronicle says, so they sang praise with gladness and bowed their heads and worshiped and glorified God. I like this one. It says, Psalm 149, let us praise his name with dancing. I think that's my favorite way. So there's many physical ways that we express praise and worship. And I think how you express praise and worship within a church setting, within your home setting, it's up to you. It's up to you if you want to lift your hands, if you want to sit down, if you want to bow your head, or if you want to dance. And I think sometimes it's particularly how we feel, how we want to express our worship to God. Those are the physical ways we express when we're just so in tune with God when we're in tune with his Holy Spirit and particularly on a Sunday morning when we're sitting here and we're singing you know being led as we were this morning by James in worship and praise and we feel that we have been set free and we lift our hands and we sing our praises to God and we pour out our heart and we pour out our worship but to worship him only but what does that mean that means not just on a Sunday morning, to be pouring out our heart in our everyday life, to be pouring out in worshiping home, in the workplace, in, in in with your children, sitting around the family table. When God, you have that relationship with God, when He is first, everything else changes. And He should be first in our lives, not just on a Sunday morning, or not just at the prayer team. My Nana, when I live with my Nana, Every morning, she would get up and we, we lived in, with, we're in a double bed together and she was on the, the outside so she'd swing her legs over and before she went any further and she had really bad knees. In fact, she had rickets when she was born so her right kneecap was to the side of her legs so she walked and she got older with a really bad limb. But every morning, she would struggle to kneel and she would say, morning God and morning Jesus and thank you for the day ahead on her knees and then get up because she worshipped him first. She was aware of what he had done for her. She had that relationship. She understood God and understood his love for her. And it was a real, deep-felt relationship. In John 4, 23, it says, we must worship God in spirit and truth. When we worship God in spirit, we need to be born again. And that means we need to have accepted our Lord Jesus as our saviour. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells within us. It resides within us. Our minds are centered on God, and they're continually being renewed by truth. Romans twelve says, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind." We do this. It's an active choice when we do this by the renewal of our mind. And I can say that when I stand here. I don't think, some of the things I thought 10 years ago, I think I've been renewed, changed, remained on things because I have a renewal of my mind. I have an active change because I'm being renewed by the truth. The truth is the word of God. The word of God is the Bible. And we have to read the Bible because it's living, it's active, it's a living word. And it renews us continually. It renews us. Sometimes it refreshes us. Sometimes it just brings us healing. Sometimes it brings us comfort. And sometimes it brings us joy. But we need to be continually renewing ourselves, continually reading the Bible because it's holy, living and active. And then we begin again to have that relationship with God. We begin to become deeper in a relationship with him. We know his character. He knows ours. And we begin to to feel different. And I really believe that reading the Bible has to be part of our spiritual practice. Because distractions of this world get in our way. The, the the world today says we're an instant society, we can't have everything instant. You want a new telly, you can go on at three o'clock in the morning, you can order it, and you'll have a new telly. You want some new shoes, you want some new boots, and you want a new dress, and you want a bag, and you want a necklace. And oh, Why not? Let's go the whole hog, and we'll have some earrings and some perfume as well. Not that I've ever done that you know, uh, but it is, it's instantly, you can't have everything instant, and I think the relationship with God, it's not instant. we we'll have to put some time in, we we'll have to put some practice in, we we'll have to, you know, give God all of our worship, and giving God all of our worship is sometimes to see what is in our life that distracts us from giving God all of our worship. I don't know what's in your life, I can tell you a little bit what's in my life, I like to read And I'll I'll read anything. I'm I'm the woman who likes to read instructions. I'm the woman who will count the screws. So I know, like, we'll have, like, 18 screws. We'll have, like, four bits of wood. And we'll have, like, um, 16 little screws. My husband is the man who likes to just get on and build it. And then three weeks later, the bookcase falls down. And he goes, oh, that's what that piece of wood and four screws was for, was securing the bookcase. But I can read a book. I can read a magazine, I do read the Bible, but I'm distracted by reading God's word because other things come in there I like to read, like a magazine, like an autobiography, like, you know, I I do like a Christian book, but I I know that sometimes distracts me. Sometimes I'll say, right, I'm going to set this time aside to read God's word, to focus on God, and to sit in his presence. And next thing I know, I'm reading Hello magazine, because somebody's just got married, you know, as I pass the kitchen table. When me Bible, me cup of coffee in hand in me notebook, and I go, oh, who's oh, that getting married? Oh, oh she's got a nice dress on. Oh, look at that. Oh, that all matches. And I know that's my distraction. So before I know it, I haven't got time to read the Bible, because I've probably got to go to work, or I've got to pick up the little one, or something like that. So that's where I know about myself. What do you know about yourself? What distracts you from being in a deeper relationship with God? Only you know. And we have to have a a pure heart. When we come in to worship God only, we have to have a repentant heart. Unconfessed sin. We have to confess our sin before God. And that is the truth. God cannot connect with us cannot fully be in a relationship if we know we have unconnected, unconfessed sin. If we look at King David, when he sinned with Bathsheba, he couldn't come before God. He, He laminated over his sin, he repented over his sin, and he cried out to God, and God answered him. He said he was sorry. He confessed his sin. He needed to be, have a pure heart before God, before they could begin and restore their relationship again. And it's the same with us. I think sometimes we know when we're sinning, we know when we've heard gossip and we should have walked away. We know when we've been angry with someone and we haven't put it right. We know because when we are born again, we have the Holy Spirit within us that convicts us And we have to act on that. We have to repent. And God is a wonderful, gracious, loving God who forgives us time and time again. But again, it's relationship. We have to first say, sorry, we have to first repent for God in order to forgive. And that is part of worshipping him only. In Exodus, before we get to the Ten Commandments, it says, God said to Moses to tell his people, You are to tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Wow, what a picture God has given to these people of Israel. First one, slavery, and he took them out of slavery and he took them through the wilderness. And now that they're there and Moses is at the mountain. God is speaking to Moses and he's saying, go and you tell my people how I brought them out of slavery and how I carried them and brought you to myself on eagles' wings. This morning, do you need God to carry you and bring him to you on eagles' wings? Do you need that? Because God says he can do that. He's done it for the people of Israel and he can do it for you today. If you are feeling that you just need to be in the presence of God, go to him. Worship him only. Put everything aside that distracts you Everything that hurts you, everything that has hurt you, everything that you're worried about, everything that you're concerned about, and remember, God says, I will bring you to myself. What a picture, what a loving God we have. He says, If you obey me fully, keep my covenant, and then all of you, then out of the nations, you will be my treasured possession, a holy nation, a treasured possession. What does that mean? that means you. God treasures you personally. He loves you with an everlasting love. He desires more of you. He desires that relationship with you. I've spoke to some mums who've had teenagers and they've they've been wonderful. They turn 11, 12, 13, and in my word, they don't speak to the parents. They're going through all the hormonal changes. And the mums, they'll say to me, I just, I just have this desire to be back how it used to be when they were little, and they'd come to me and would walk down the street holding hands. Now they're walking across the other side of the road. They won't speak to me. There's, I can't get through to them. And that's a parent's desire. And I feel that's God's desire for us. We are his treasured possession. Now, I'm wearing this rather fetching waistcoat this morning, as you can see. For the podcast, it is wool, well, sort of wool. Uh, It's a little bit moth-ridden. It is burgundy, and it was my nana's. And it was my nana's treasured possession. And she wore this, I would say, every day of her life. And she used to wear a pinny. She'd wear, like, a smock dress, a pinny, and then this little waistcoat. And every other night, she'd wash it in the sink, wring it out, and then would dry it over the fire guard by the fire. And when she died, she would left me some brooches in this waistcoat. Now, this waistcoat, I think it'd be one of them things that you would have to pay to be took away. Do you know when you give things away and go, oh, that'll be lovely, I'll have that. I think someone would say, well, I'll take it off your hands for a fiver. But it is a, a treasured possession. And when I put it on sometimes, I think of me, Nana, and I think, eh, the lovely times we had. You know, and I know I've told you this before, but it's still it's just precious to me that on a morning... When we go out of bed, she'd say, what do you want for breakfast? And she always called me her beautiful girl. What do you want for breakfast, my beautiful girl? Would you like some toast and tea, some toast and jam? Or would you like tinned mandarin oranges and tinned cream? (gasps) Oh, I still eat tinned mandarin oranges and tinned cream. It is, oh, just lovely, you know? And we had that relationship where I was loved and she was loved and we loved each other. But you're always continually demonstrated how she loved God and Jesus, and how she put him first. I mean, Nana didn't have a particularly nice life. She had a lot of things to deal with. But she was happy, she was joyous because she worshipped God first. And this is one of her treasured possessions. I have another one here, which is my book. And it says, um, Warlock's Book of Everyday Knowledge. Now, I got this when I graduated special class. Special class three, I was in Mrs. Neela's class, and oh, she was. I was sent there because through English, I couldn't read or write. Um, and it doesn't matter how hard I tried, I could not read or write. I couldn't do it. And particularly algebra, the words would just swim on a page, and oh, it was just, it used to just fill me with dread when I had English. And so the teacher said, You'll have to go to special class. Now I was not happy about going to special class, but when I went in, Mrs. Naylor, she was wonderful, and she spent time with me, and we done the, the together words first, the words that connected, and the little words, I always remember, we are going to learn little words, and the little words were if, and, but, on, all words, little words like that, then we progressed to my name, and when I learned how to spell my name with a big C, I was absolutely, Absolutely thrilled. I thought I had you know, everything I needed because I could write my name. But that's because Mrs. Naylor took time with me. Not just me, everybody who was in her special class. Everybody she knew by name. Everybody she knew their strengths and their weaknesses. And believe it or not, when I was little, I was shy. <laughs> and there's a couple of things going on here and there's a couple of people who I shout no you were not. <laughs> and I was when I was in Mrs. Naylor's class, when I was in the infants we had in them days, I was really, really shy. And I think that stemmed from not being able to read or write um, and just be... I was, was alright with my family and my friends but whenever we went anywhere I hardly spoke and I didn't speak a lot at school until Mrs. Naila ta- taught us how to read and write and spell my name. She didn't know what she had unleashed then when I was up on stage singing and being simple but... I loved her and I graduated from that class, and then came the end of term where you. It was a school, it was a big hall like this, and all the teachers sat to the right of the stage and used to have to come up to the left, and it was a Catholic school, so it was absolutely massive. And you'd come up the stairs, and it was boys and girls, and you only you, you only had, like, two schools on the estate, so all the kids went there. Now I think there's three or four dotted around, but you all went to either one or the other school, the Catholics or the Protestants, and the Catholics, you know, were always the better school. So when I came around, I was <laughs> joking and all the teachers, and you would walk on quietly, you would shake the, the headmaster's hand, and you would get your book, so we're in the hall, and I came on and everyone would be polite applause, and then when I got my book, you had to turn around and hold it up to the school, and I turned around and I held it first, you had to hold it to the school, and then, uh, for some reason, you had to sort of like bow to the teacher, I <laughs> said, thank you very much, so hold it, and I bowed, and Mrs. Neal, stood up She stood up and clapped. She stood up in front of the full school, in front of the full teachers, and she clapped. And I was standing, and I was just so in awe of her clapping. I couldn't believe it. She'd just gone against the grain, and she was crying, and she shouted across the hall, Go on, my girl! And I walked, and I've still got this book. I mean, I left school probably about 20 years ago, so... (laughs) <laughs> well, should I tell you, uh, when I was in that class, it's probably more like 40-odd years ago, and I've still got that book because it is a treasured possession. And I know you are sitting there thinking this morning, thinking, yeah, I've got something of my nanas or my grandmas or my granddads or, you know, some family member or something from school or something at the little and made or a letter or something, a treasured possession. It, it'll mean nothing to nobody else, and you'll not get any worth for it To you, it warms your heart. It warms your soul, and that's what God thinks of you. You are His treasures. You are His little, little treasures that He loves and He desires, and He wants more of a relationship with you. He wants you to put Him first. And when in Exodus, when it says to love God, to worship Him only, I think it really for me, I think it's a command of love because. To worship me only. And we've all seen the movies, we've all seen when it says, you know, Moses has got the tablets and God's thunderous voice and God is saying, you know, worship me only. For me personally, I don't think it was like that. I know God was God is holy and He is reverent and He is the creator. We we'll go back to Adam and Eve and He created man out of love. He seen man was lonely and he created Eve out of love and out of love. The Israelites had came out of slavery. So they had no rules. They hadn't lived under their own rules, their own guidance. And God was given the commandments as a guidance out of love. And when he says, to worship me only, I really believe that's because we let so much get in. We let so much get into our lives, the distraction. But people let so much get in. They're going out too much. They're drinking too much. And that leads into all sorts of other things that distract, that take you away from the love of the Lord. To worship him only transforms our life and it will transform those around us. And Jesus said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and with all your mind. And when what does that mean, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? It means to worship him only. So Jesus was reaffirming what God said in the Old Testament, in the New Testament and I think when we, when we do that, it's not, a, for me, it's not. It's not where I have to not live, I have not got to be happy, I've got to worship God only. For me, when when we come to this knowledge, when we come to a way of thinking to worship God only, there's a freedom, there's a freedom, and there's a strength. There's a strength in our lives, there's a strength in us, and our relationship, as I've said, it goes deeper with God, and we're understanding more. I really believe when God said, to worship me only, he said it in love because he knows we're human, he knows we weaknesses, he knows what we can d- get distracted in. Some, money choose, some people choose money, some people choose fame, some people choose, you know, various walks and ways of life, which are not holy. But God wants us to be in a relationship with him. He desires it. Why? Because we are his treasured possession. Why? Because he loves us deeply. Why? Because he loves you. And so, if we, if we look at that, we have to worship in spirit and truth. We have to put everything that distracts us aside. And when we worship him only, we are transformed. If James would like to just come back up, please. And when we're transformed, we're transformed in such a way that we cannot help would draw people to us, and what can his help but be in a deeper fellowship, relationship with God. I mean, treasured possession, you're God's, you're God's children, you're his and he loves you so much that he sent Jesus. And I want you to think this week on worshipping only, and you go about your daily lives if you're, you know, whatever's distracting you, it might be you just spend a lot of time on the internet. It might be gadgets, things that are just in our daily life that we say, you know, I've told people we say, I don't have time to, to read the Bible every day, but on the internet, three and four hours. Or I don't have time to spend any time with God because I go running five times a week and, you know, I run for like six hours. These things. Are the distractions that take us from worshipping God only, and these things are the things that stop us going deeper and having that relationship with God. I'd just like to finish with praying for you this morning, Heavenly Father. I pray for your people of Charity, Lord, and those listening on the podcast. I pray that we have a desire, Lord, to worship you only, that our desire becomes practical. And Lord, you will show us the things that stop us from becoming fully in a relationship with you. And we give you thanks for your living word. Lord, I pray your blessing upon all who hear. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.